Welcome back in, everybody, to the Phantom Football Podcast. We are so excited to have you back on board. The offseason of the NFL continues just to be in full throttle. Uh, there is no slowing down and won't be for several more weeks. Uh, we have all kinds of things to get to tonight. But first, we're joined once again by Simon Short and Ronan Summers. Simon, welcome aboard. Hey, Ben. How are we doing? I'm doing great. Uh, we have a lot to get to. Ronan, welcome into the house as well. Thank you. Thank you. You hit it on the head. The NFL is moving fast right now. <laughs> we, we're we going to hit some news items, and then we're going to cover eight teams from the AFC North and the AFC South. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about that in a second. If you're listening, we thank you so much for being with us, as always. Let's get to the big news first, and that is Lamar Jackson has seemingly asked here for a, a, a trade officially. We've all kind of sort of thought that this might be in the works. It's another step. Talk to us about what it means. Simon, you first. Yeah, so Lamar tweeted out today um, in a string of tweets, which, first off, hilarious. You know this man is doing his own operation because he's not hitting the add tweet button while he's tweeting. So he tweets the first part of this message out and then just gets like a thousand replies before he sends the second part out. I just love I, I love it, man. It's so, it's so great. Uh, anyways, Lamar Jackson tweets out today that uh, officially on March 2nd, he asked for a trade from the Baltimore Ravens just with the the non-exclusive tag negotiations not going anywhere, negotiations with Baltimore not going anywhere. Um, and he's made it known that he just feels like they're not essentially respecting him enough and, and you know, going about the negotiations in the right way. He still loves Baltimore. His goal is to go win a Super Bowl somewhere. He feels he's, he's best positioned to do that elsewhere at this point. Um since then, Jim Harbaugh or John Harbaugh, whichever, uh, has had a hilarious press conference or, or interviews where he's like, oh, I didn't see the tweets. But, yeah, Lamar's going to be back next season. Baltimore Brass is just steadfast, at least outwardly saying that he's going to be around. It's all just a hilarious part of the game. But like you said, Ben, I think we all expected that some version of this happened at some point. But it's nice to hear from Lamar that, yeah, this did actually happen almost a month ago, and I'm still waiting around for it for it to go down. So, TBD on you know when exactly this happens but I think at least as I've expected this whole way and I think everyone's kind of also coming to that conclusion it's just a matter of when not if uh Ronan any other thoughts on that yeah you you hit it on the head it is this is huge and this is not something I foresaw you know I don't think anyone's foresaw two years ago um you know we we talk about the Ravens and the organization it's consistently been you know the ravens do it the right way right they play like a raven there we've heard so many different mantras uh ex-players have come out and spoke so highly about the organization and uh the people who run it so this has come pretty much completely out of left field i i think everybody was expecting lamar to be paid relatively soon kind of kind of the kyler track right i i think that would have been justified if if the Ravens were to have paid Lamar as soon as Arizona did Kyler, but here we are and Lamar's going into his fifth year or sixth year now. And he currently might play on the franchise tag might not do. Do we think I'll go ahead and maybe shake up the conversation a little bit. Um, Do do we think that he'll play on the franchise tag? I don't think there's any way. Um... No chance. With an agent, without an agent, I don't think there's any chance he's going to step on the field under that franchise tag. I, 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 it will be interesting to see if any teams cave on this 100% guarantee thing. 
because all the owners are kind of sitting there looking at each other like, don't you do it. <laughs> but, I mean, hey, it's Lamar Jackson, and he's really good. <laughs> so I'm curious to see, is somebody gonna, is some renegade owner going to step up here and be like, yeah, I'll do that. Done. <laughs> Come on over. Someone's got to, man. So he, there's no way he plays on that. I, I did hear one theory that if he – the only scenario where he comes back to Baltimore is if he comes back and they basically bump the pay up, like just as a show of good faith, essentially, to bump it up to – maybe what the exclusive franchise tag would have been, which I think was somewhere in the like 40 to $45 million range. But there, yeah, Lamar Jackson can't play for $32 million this season with no, you know, future kind of insurance beyond that. There, there ain't no way. No, I think, sorry, don't you go ahead. no, no, I, I just, I think that's completely justifiable. I, I don't think anyone expects Lamar to go out and play on the franchise tag. Go ahead, Ben. Sorry. No, and if, if I were his agent, I try to I, I tend to see a lot of things from a manager's standpoint because I'm I like building rosters. But if I were his agent, I would not let him I wouldn't let him do anything football related until he had a full time contract of some kind. I don't know that I would be pushing for him to get this full guarantee. I that's what's holding all this up. And he's got a right to it, but the politics involved, that's what's holding it up. It's the politics of all of this. If I were his agent, I don't know that I wouldn't be sitting there saying, hey, get your 80%. You will have increased what most contracts get, and you'll be paid a whole bunch of money, and you'll have 80% guarantees. But I certainly wouldn't let him step on the field without without a nice long contract and, and a lot of guaranteed money. All right. So anything else? Just one more thing. I'm sorry. I, I, this Lamar conversation, just it's Love exciting, that. man. Do we think it's going to happen before the the – the draft because you know let's say the baltimore does agree all right fine we'll we'll let you you know we'll grant your wish and let you out you know do does baltimore you know potentially try and get it done before the draft so they can get as many assets as possible because if you're looking into the future and you're only getting 2024 2025 picks with, with lamar jackson on that team that's pretty much a guaranteed 20 20th or later pick right so if I'm Baltimore, I'm wanting, you know, as many assets right now as I can, if Lamar is moved, obviously. Going to be a game of chicken if that's the case, because the other side of that coin that, that we're also hearing some scuttlebutt about is, okay, if you're one of these teams that might be looking to trade for Lamar, do you trade back right now? Do you trade back a handful of picks pick up an extra pick in day three and send a less desirable first round pick and just work that out, whether it's through the sign and trade mechanism and, and then Baltimore has to take those two first round picks and, and you're sending pick 12 instead of pick five, for example, or do you go to Baltimore? Do you make the trade back and then go to Baltimore and say, Hey, here's, here's one first round pick or here's your two first round picks in two seconds because I just accumulated more assets and now I'm not trading you a top five pick. I'm trading you a top 12, you know, Baltimore has to play that side of it too, right? The, the longer they wait to see, okay, do we maybe hold out for a better draft pick later? Do we maybe, you know, see what court, what team's really desperate if they don't get a quarterback they want, they could be standing at the, you know, and end of the uh, standing at the dance at the end of the night without a dance partner. Right. And, and then they're taking, um, a quarterback that was drafted late in the first round or in the second round, instead of trying to get one of these top guys. Um, I, I've said this whole time. I think there, this will get resolved before the draft, or at least 
draft night day before something like that, where they're going to get one of these quarterbacks um, or at least be in position to I'll hold on to that. I think this gets resolved by the end of April, but by the time the draft starts. I hope so. It's best for everybody. Now, two weeks ago, I thought this would get done pretty quickly. The more I look at it, I'm like, which one of these owners is going to step up that soon and break this kind of thin line here, you know? Um, And I don't know if that's going to happen before the draft. If it doesn't, it could go all the way to the start of the regular season before somebody does it. Um, Again, what what you're dealing with is politics here. You're dealing with 32 owners. If it was just the Lamar Jackson contract, and that's the problem, there are several teams, probably even more than half the teams, that would guarantee Lamar's whole contract. But that's not the problem. The problem is they're all afraid that all of a sudden now they're going to have to guarantee everybody's contract. And without it being collective bargained, and, and they're going to think, well, we didn't, we didn't get anything from the Players Association in order for them to get all these guaranteed contracts. And that's what the problem is. It's not Lamar. It's not his contract. There are teams that would do it in a heartbeat right now, today. But it's that bigger behind-the-scenes issue, the politics. That's that's really the holdup here. All right. We will be talking about this for years to come. So I think that's enough for tonight. The Elijah Moore trade. I'm going to pull it up right now. I'll tell you guys what happened. You already know, but uh, just in case anybody has forgotten, uh, Elijah Moore has been traded from the Jets, and let me make sure I'm reading this right, traded to the Browns, along with a third-round pick, and the Jets are getting back a second-round pick. Ronan, take the first crack at it. Uh, it makes me question, um, you know, is this a uh, an asset-building move to try and go get Rodgers? Um, for the Browns side of it, I love them going out and getting a receiver. Uh, it, it seemed pretty clear that they needed a second receiver to go out there. Uh, but I like the move to obtain more. It, it seemed like it was pretty clear he was going to be shipped out after he 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 asked to be you know, traded, right? Yeah, basically mid season yes. uh, on a winning team. So it, it's not surprising that, especially Robert Sala, shipped out a guy who didn't necessarily want to be there. Simon? Yeah, I think this was a situation where the the relationship was just kind of soiled. They're you know, reading the writing on the wall. Hey, Aaron might not like this guy anyways. Um, and they're also trying to keep the 13th overall pick off the table. I think that's what it mainly boils down to. You're right, Ronan, where they don't want to send the first-round pick. Um, they probably are trying to offer a second this year and a second next year, and Green Bay saying, no, we need more than that. So now they can offer two second round picks in this year's draft and they're back to back. I think it's like 42 and 43 or 43 and 44, one of the two. Um, so, so that is a, is a pretty good sweetener, especially in a draft where, you know, it feels like there's a lot of good starters, but not a lot of like super high end players. So if you can get more picks in that 25 to 50 range, still stay in the top 60 to 80 picks, um but you're not paying a premium to get into the like top half of the first round that's still pretty valuable so green bay if they're going to build around somebody else getting two second round picks in this draft and then still trying to maybe negotiate for something else um will be good or on the flip side if the jets do have to end up caving and trading the 13th pick well two second round picks for them isn't a bad consolation prize when you consider it's a guy that probably didn't want to be there anymore anyways yeah, I think you guys are dead on it. All of that agreed. I, it, to me, Simon, you mentioned it, 41, 42, right in there. 
I love teams being able to draft in that 38 to 42 range. I think it's a sweet spot for depending on what position you're looking at, but I really like it there. But the Aaron Rodgers thing, just for a minute, it, it continues to get more bizarre. Listen, players will get more powerful as these years roll on. There's no question about it. And by that, I mean star players, not your average, you know, starting linebacker, your, you know, your Aaron Donald's defensive, but the, the star guys, the, the, the quarterbacks. It's one thing if Tom Brady comes and says, hey, I want this center to hand the ball to me and block for me on, on every snap of the regular season. And, and if Patrick Mahomes says, hey, I want a $20, $25 million a year wide receiver, go get me one. I'm like, okay, got it, done. It's another thing for Aaron Rodgers, who's not even on the franchise yet, and who only has one or two seasons left to be creating this cascade of dominoes here for a Jets team that hasn't won anything in a very long time. I, it's not my style. Anybody? Last uh, last thing, just something I heard when the the trade initially went down. You know who plays a very similar game to Elijah Moore? One Randall Cobb. <laughs> what could have been? <laughs> what still what still can be? <laughs> Let's talk about another wide receiver that I think all of us like here, um, who has been mm-hmm. signed by the Carolina Panthers, and and we talked last week about how the Panthers were laying a very nice bed for a rookie quarterback to lay down and sleep in. I mean, it's 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 better and better all the time. Here they pick up DJ Shark, um, who's well, – y'all can tell me more about him, but they pick him up for, like, nothing. I mean, it, the, the cap hit here is, like – the cap hit's, like, 1.8, but it's spread out over a couple of seasons because they'll, they'll – I'm not going to get into the details of the contract, but it, it, it's a nothing contract for a receiver that we all like. So, Simon, you first. I love this, man. I, I love DJ Chark. I loved him in uh, Jacksonville, one of the many receivers who have gone through there back in the days where there wasn't a quarterback and just kind of got wasted away. Oh, my God. They really did four void years on this contract for a million bucks? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I need a minute. I didn't even look at that. That doesn't make me feel as good. I'm not as... They're they're gonna extend that. They're gonna fix that. That void date. I'm just gonna go ahead and mark it down right now. It's March 27th, 10:44 p.m. Eastern time as we record this. Um, that void date is going to get pushed next year so fast. Three days within the time that it happens, and they're gonna extend him. All right. So just let's move on from that. I'm now over it. Um, oh my god, it, it's it's still very exciting. It's still great. Uh. DJ Chark is a legitimate X receiver. Put him on the backside. You've got Thielen kind of working the underneath stuff, working the zones, kind of trying to manipulate the defense. Or maybe Thielen transitions into like this big slot kind of role as he's less athletic and just is an extra security blanket. I mean, we talked last week about what Thielen, Hayden Hurst, and Miles Sanders meant to a rookie quarterback. None of them are going to be all pros. None of them are going to be pro bowlers. None of them are even guys you would consider in the top 10 to 15 of their position at this point in their careers. Um, and neither is DJ Chark. But you have that's four professional football players who have real skills and attributes who this rookie quarterback is going to know what to expect, right? That's the main thing. Um, Miles Sanders became a much more patient runner in his a few years there in Philadelphia. Thielen is a veteran who knows exactly what to do at all times. Hayden Hurst, we saw him be very productive for Joe Burrow as a security blanket, especially when they're different receivers and, and their different points of offense struggled last year early on. Um, DJ Chark, again, very good in Jacksonville, came to Detroit, was injured. When he got healthy, he was big for them for a handful of weeks there at the end of the season. 
this rookie quarterback know he's not going to have a true dynamic number one, not yet. Um, it, you still have years to play with for a rookie, but he's going to have guys who know where to be and what to do and can make plays and, and just be in the right spots. That's so huge for a rookie to know, okay, where did I mess up? Where did he mess? They're going to be able to talk about that and figure that stuff out. I really like what Carolina did. I do as well. Um, you know, DJ Shark, obviously he hasn't been a, a top 15 wide receiver, as you've said, uh, at, really at any point in his career. But again, Carolina has been laying the bed, you said it perfectly, for this incoming rookie quarterback, whoever that be, whether that be Stroud, whether that be uh, Young, whether that be Richardson, uh, they're they're doing it perfectly. Now, there were questions, obviously, whenever DJ Moore was shipped out, uh, about the skill position, uh, wide receivers and running backs just in general, but bringing in Thielen, uh, Sanders, Shark. Now there's there's a plan, right? Now we have a rough idea of what Carolina is trying to do this upcoming season. And uh, to that, you, you can't say that for some of these other teams, right? So kudos to Carolina. Yeah, agreed. Uh, one of my favorite players of all time, Bobby Wagner. Uh, Roland, you're familiar with his work recently. And of course, I've been able to watch him for a very long time. Ronan, go ahead and take the first crack on it. I sure am. And it sucks to see him stay in the uh, NFC West and head right back to Seattle as a, as a Rams fan. But, hey, that dude, he had a historic career in Seattle. Uh, personally, I, I kind of didn't love him coming to L.A. It just because he, he's one of those tenured guys. Yeah, I thought he was going to retire as Seahawk. You take a step back and just as a football fan – just one of those guys that you didn't really expect to be heading out. But, you know, after a year, he tested the waters, realized you know, maybe, maybe Seattle's not so bad after being on an abysmal Rams team. So um, and this Seattle defense, they had a much improved 2022 season and add, adding, you know, Wagner. I mean, come on now. Uh, it's only going to help him. Right, Simon? Yeah, for sure. We we saw the biggest issue that this team had was that defensive front seven. They switched to that three four alignment last year, which I forgot about. Um, and, and did it without their veteran linebacker, their Hall of Fame linebacker, trying to lead the way. Count on Jordan Brooks to do a lot. I think Wagner's going to open up a lot of stuff. I mean, they made some good moves in free agency. We've talked about over the last couple of weeks, but as that big run stopping, you know, buck linebacker that he can play in that three four alignment with your two middle linebackers can open things up for Jordan Brooks when he gets healthy and he can keep the ship afloat until Brooks is fully back from that. I think he tore his ACL late in the season. So I love for Bobby Wagner and Seattle in general, like you said, Ronan, it's great to have him just back in Seattle, really where he belongs. I, I just got to do a soliloquy on Robert Wagner here. Um, <laughs> I can't help myself. <laughs> Bobby Wagner, man. Okay. Hall of Famer. One of the best linebackers ever. He's not the best linebacker ever, but, man, he's he's up there somewhere. And you talk about his run-stopping ability, which hasn't gone away. His instincts, his instincts is what really kicks it in. He's tough. He can tackle. But his instincts, his ability to spot and know, his processing is just insane. It, it is off the charts. He still has that. He's not quite as good in pass coverage as he used to be, but he's not a liability either. I can't believe, listen, even if he was heading to Seattle, he's like, nope, not going anywhere else. If I'm another team, any other team, <laughs> I'm going to be throwing money, two years, $20 million, $10 million each. I'm going to be throwing money at, at Bobby Wagner to get him to cover my team. And if he won't, then Seattle's got to pay more for him. All right? That's just the way I'm doing it. 
I can't believe more teams weren't in on this. I could name them. I won't. Let's water under the bridge. But more teams should have been in on this. I think they're missing out on a chance to make their defense better. And Bobby Wagner, you guys already mentioned it. I won't get deep into that. That young defense that has a lot of pieces, having Bobby back in the middle of all that. And we forget Wagner was the guy who was a latecomer to that Seattle defense. He wasn't the primary piece. Like, it was all these other big names. And then as they got older, he came through as this force of nature that were like, wow, this might be the best guy they've ever had on defense possibly. So, anyway, here he is back in Seattle. I love it, love it, love it for Seattle. Soliloquy over, Robert. Okay. Um, Ron, uh, Simon, I'm going to let you explain to our audience what we're doing tonight, man. Yeah, so tonight we are so excited, everybody, to kick off our NFL draft coverage. Uh, we are deciding to do that a little bit differently than most places. If you're looking for deep dives into specific players, uh, into do do you know player profiles and, and strengths and weaknesses and grading scales, all that sort of stuff. Um, sorry, you're not gonna you're not gonna find that here. We wanted to take a team by team approach. Uh, because Ben mentioned earlier, we, we like the, the team building process, right? So other than just, uh, you know, we could sit here and scout 50 players and talk to you about them over the next five weeks and, you know, just triple up your coverage of that. Instead, we want to give a snapshot of every single team in the NFL between now and the NFL draft and, and talk about what they could, should, or will be thinking about when it comes to planning their, their late April weekend draft war room. Um, so we're coming to you in our mock war room series. We're covering every team. Everybody's going to cover one to two teams, each division. Uh, essentially one person will come to you and, and essentially be the GM and they're approaching. Let's just call our other two uh, co-hosts here, the owner and the coach. Uh, we might not necessarily channel all those personalities. We might sometimes we'll just, it'll be a surprise for everybody when we do that. Um, but the GM it's their job in this podcast to show us a good, clear direction for the draft, right? What they're thinking going in for all seven rounds, for every pick every team has, and convince us that their idea is good. So, you know, the, these war rooms, you, you hear all these stories about how guys rank, you know, how scouts rank players, how GMs and owners differ on strategies. We're going to hope to bring you a little bit of that and try and figure out what teams are going to do in this draft um so with that let's go to our first team we're starting in the afc north um which is fitting with the lamar jackson news today and ben is first up ben is going to be the gm one of you know six uh full-time front office members of the seattle uh seattle cincinnati Bengals. um and he's going to try and convince me and ronan that he knows what we should do in the draft so ben take it away when you're ready with with uh cincinnati all right, let me hit two minutes, and then you ask questions, and, and then I'll, I'll – I'm so excited. This is going to be so fun. <laughs> and then, obviously, I won't cover everything in two minutes, but I'll fill in the blanks. As no, do it. Cover, cover it all. What, what do we pay you for? We're, we're the Bengals. We pay you like a cool $95,000 a year as the GM. You better tell us everything. <laughs> yes. All right, so here – let me start with the roster real quick. Roster analysis. Uh, defensive line, I do not feel obligated necessarily to attack the, the, uh, the defensive line with the draft, although I have a couple of guys in mind later in the draft that if they're there, I'm sure going to plug them into this, into this defensive line for the Bengals. 
Linebacker spot, I have no intention of adding a linebacker except maybe in the fifth or sixth round. We're good at linebacker. Uh, defensive back, I have a lot of concerns at defensive back. No surprise there. Most of those are at safety. No surprise there. My cornerbacks are solid. They're decent. They'll work. But if I can upgrade at cornerback at some point, I will do so. But that's not necessarily going to be part of the plans. Um, offensive line, they haven't built this O-line the way I would have, but that's okay. They have done their best to try to put something decent in front of uh, Joe Burrow. So if I draft offensive linemen, it will be later in the draft just to create a good pipeline for future seasons so we don't have to put so much finances into this offensive line in, say, 24 and 25, okay? And, and then um, running back, we're going to be adding a running back. There's no question about it. 100% somewhere, whether late first or somewhere else, we're going to be adding a running back to accompany Joe Mixon. And then if, in a year or two, if Mixon is too expensive or too old, we'll be turning our, our attentions to that new running back. And then, of course, quarterback. Uh, nothing needs to be said there. <laughs> I think they're covered at quarterback. And um, wide receiver, we, we may draft a wide receiver at some point if there's a good one there, but that's nowhere near the top of our list. Obviously, they're covered there. Now, real quick, late first round, there's a lot of good players sitting there, but they don't necessarily, to me, match up with the Bengals' needs. The players I like, at number 28 overall, um, I'm going to be drafting best player available here. We're, we're talking tight end. I would love if a tight end dropped, Michael Meyer or uh, a Dalton Kincaid. I don't think they're going to. I think they're going to be gone by 28. I would love to add a tight end to this Bengals roster. I don't think it's going to happen here at 28. Um, there's a couple of tackles who might be sitting here. Bengals don't need tackles anymore. <laughs> so They just threw a bunch of money in the tackles during the past two offseasons. So they're going to draft the tackles here at 28. There's wide receivers. There's a couple of wide receivers here that you could draft at 28 who are fringe first-round, second-round kind of guys. Bengals don't necessarily need wide receivers. There's defensive linemen here to be drafted at 28. Bengals don't necessarily need defensive linemen. Um, the secondary guys, really, I, I wouldn't want to draft these secondary guys at 28, but if I have to, I will. If that's the best player available, we'll do it. So at 28, we're looking at best player available. No doubt about it. Then when you get down, they've got picks at 60 and at 92. Um, that's not a great spot. Again, if you're looking at, say, uh, some of the offensive linemen that I would want to get, 60 and 92. But I think in the secondary, there's no question about it. At 60 and 92, I've got guys who can contribute at 60 and 92. And we can talk about more of those guys as, as we get on. You get here into 131, 163, 206, 246. They've got a lot of picks here. Important to note, Bengals have a good roster. It's not necessarily easy to improve a good roster through the draft. You're just looking to bring in guys that help, even if they don't cover your needs. So um, that's a really rough sketch. Um, I, did, I talked a lot more about the roster they have than the picks I'm going after. But y'all feel free to hit, up, hit me up with questions, and, and we'll proceed from there. Uh, Simon, you first. Yeah, so let's see. You talked about best player available. Um, are are we open and the possibility of, of what can happen with Joe Mixon? If Bahan Rob if John Robinson is there at twenty eight, are we open to a, another running back here in the first round? Yeah, I am. I ideally, I'd rather not because there's one or two running backs farther down, say mid-second, early third round, who I think can help. But if Robinson's sitting there, I'm probably going to take him in, in a heartbeat because talent-wise, 
I think his talent will be better than hardly anybody else that's sitting there. Yeah. I love Robinson. Love Robinson as a prospect. But whenever we, as the Bengals, are in the situation that we're in, right, I would much rather go after a, a second or third round running back uh, and and try to go and get one of those premier, you know, whether it be edge, whether it be corner, uh, there at the end of the first. That that's me personally, just because. Yes, Robinson will be a great great back, but we do have Mixon, and if we haven't cut him yet, I, I don't know if that's necessarily in the in the plans. Uh, so for me personally, I, I'm more looking at like a a, a Tajay Spears. Uh, so someone in that hundred range, where uh, might get a little bit more value out of it. Yeah, I, on the running back side, I agree. And let me color in just a little bit here. There are commonly edge rushers available at twenty eight, but I, I personally am not a huge fan of those edges. I'm just not. And 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 there are some tackles, a couple of def- tackles, a couple of defensive backs available at twenty eight. And me personally. They don't excite me a lot at 28. You get back to 40, and I'm like, yeah, okay. But at 28, it's like, man, I really want to do something impactful at 28. And I tell you, a guy like Zay Flowers or Kalijah Cansey, if one of them were to fall, and I'm not sure they will, but if one of them were to fall, even though it's not a need spot for Cincinnati, I'm going to jump on it because I, I want an impact player, not a need spot at 28. <laughs> For the defensive line, you got Hubbard, you got Hendrickson, and you've got um, where's my defensive tackle? BJ Hill, and or, or DJ Reader, DJ Reader, and then BJ Hill. How much do we feel like a, a Clancy can either rotate in with that group or potentially overtake somebody there for the long term? And then similarly for Zay Flowers. How much of that is, you know, based on how negotiations with T. Higgins go? Do we feel that we would keep all of these guys? Or would if we went Zay Flowers at 28 or, or another one of these receivers, is that almost writing on the wall for T. Higgins that he's going to be out the door? Yeah, for, for, that's a great question. Obviously, you, you know where I'm going with that. Let me start with the Zay Flowers, T. Higgins thing. If it's me, and obviously they're two drastically different players, Higgins and Flowers, my goal is to make sure Burrow never runs out of out of options. Now, we just threw a bunch of money at Orlando Brown. So if we're going to sign Burrow, Chase, and Higgins in future seasons, we're going to be restructuring the heck out of it is what we're going to be doing. Now, yeah, maybe they'll do that. But if they don't, that means somebody, probably Higgins, is out the door. We've already seen a couple of safeties go out the door. Basically, Brown got the safeties money, essentially. So, yeah. If I'm bringing in Zay Flowers, it's with the possibility in mind that, hey, Higgins could be gone. And Flowers looks like a legit impact guy, even though they play two vastly different games. Then the B.J. Hill thing, B.J. Hill's a solid defensive tackle, but he's not necessarily a huge difference maker. He's just a great plug-in kind of a guy. Cansey plays a different game. If I pick Cansey, it's because I think he's going to get pressure from the inside on the quarterback. He's not great against the run, but he's going to get pressure on the quarterback and it's kind of as an Eagles mentality at that point. It's how many good guys, impact guys, can I throw at this defensive line since I don't like my need spots at 21, at uh, 28. Ronan? Yeah, you mentioned uh, potentially going tight end there at 28, right? And a guy like Michael Mayer might be there. Well, I doubt it. He'll be there. Kincaid could potentially be there. 
Uh, yeah. Let's say both of them are off of the board. Are we considering a guy like Darnell Washington uh, maybe taking the third tight end off the board there at 28? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question because we, we've seen before that there's some potential with these tight ends. At 28, I'm not thinking about any of these other tight ends. I Once you get past those top two guys, for me, there's a huge drop-off. And I mean massive for me. Not that they couldn't perform, but we just haven't seen as much of it. Um, when you look at Meyer and Kincaid, we've seen two guys who for two seasons, not one, two seasons, have produced at a very high level against stout competition. Um, there's just nothing not to like there for those two guys. Everybody else is like, well, they have potential, or we have, we've seen it for one season instead of two, or, well, they were kind of log jammed with some other talented players on the, on the team. So, um, for me, a huge step down there. I like some other tight ends, but not anywhere near 28. My last question is going to be with the idea kind of of, of the owners hat being on. I'm sitting here, I'm looking around the league, I'm seeing what the best teams do in terms of a financial investment. I'm going back to the running back conversation. And I'm looking at what Joe Mixon is putting out for the money that he has. And, and I'm hearing everything you're saying about, hey, you know, yeah, we need a safety, but there's not a great one in the first round. We could add to the defensive line in the first round. We have a couple tight ends we like there. We could like the receivers, but maybe we just rather keep T. Higgins. If we're sitting there and we're at 28 and we have all of our picks, we have seven picks and for seven rounds in this draft, how comfortable would you be moving up any number of spots if B. John Robinson starts to fall? Assuming, let's say, let's say Mayer goes off the board at, at 15, let's say Kincaid goes off the board at 20, right? Those two tight ends are gone. There's no DBs. Let's say Cancy goes off the board at 18-19. Do we go up for a Bijan Robinson at all? And, and how much would we be willing to do? Because I'll tell you what, I, I like what I see. And if we can cut Mixon, save some money, and get a guy for the next five years, that might be a good way for us to keep Joe Burrow happy. That's a great question. I'll put it this way. I'm not against it. Not at all. If, if one of my members, you know, front office members on or whatever said, hey, think about doing this, I would think about it. If I were going to trade up, and it would be expensive, but again, the Bengals have a good roster. It's, it's not as if they're counting on draft picks for the next couple of seasons to compete. So they could they could pay these prices. If I was going to move up, I would move all the way up to about number eight and go after either Witherspoon or Gonzalez to help my defensive backs. Um, and again, I know they don't necessarily need CBs. They need safeties, but still, I'm making that back end stronger. Somebody can kick over to safety. <laughs> It's, it's a modern league that we're playing in. I would rather do that. I would also rather trade back to about 40. And there's a couple of guys sitting there around 40. There's actually a couple of CBs sitting at 40 who I think look more like safeties, to be honest. Um, so that would be my druthers if, if I had to. Ronan, do you have anything else for Cincy? I do not. I, I love that entire conversation. You had a lot of great points there, Ben. And uh, that, that was a great way to start off this uh, draft discussion. Yeah, I think best player available is the first place you look. The DB in terms of safety is weak. You could add to corner. They have a couple of nice corners, though, already. So it's not huge, huge of a need. Um, but yeah, uh, that offense is going to start getting expensive soon. They kind of uh, fortified the defense a little bit. Uh this last year or two 
deciding where to go on offense, I think will be the key thing. I'd like to see a, another playmaker go there. I think at 28 as well. So I'm with you guys. I like, I like that one. Uh, I have the Cleveland Browns next. Um, so I'm going to dive in here. Cleveland is obviously done. Oh, wait, hang on. Let me put my GM hat on. <clears throat> um, <laughs> All right, guys. Well, obviously, we did a good job of fortifying this uh, really just awful front seven, um, at least to start in free agency, bringing in Dalvin Tomlinson. Yeah, some say we may be overpaid a little bit, but he's a guy that we can plug in right there on the interior and really, I think, fix a lot of things. Um, we went from Jadavian Clowney, who, you know, it just obviously that experiment did not work out, to Akbanya O'Cornero, I'm sorry, from the Texans, uh, the linebacker there. He should be able to at least balance out the scales from Miles Garrett out there on the other side. Um, but we still have a lot of work to do in this department. This is a front seven that still has a lot of needs. We did re-sign um, Anthony Walker is coming back, who was hurt last year, veteran for us, so that helps. But this is still obviously the weak point of our team. Uh, offensively, we have the pieces in place. We have Deshaun Watson, Nick Chubb, Amari Cooper, Elijah Moore, who we traded for. The wide the pass catching room, and really the skill room in general is nice. Njoku, Donovan Peoples Jones, add in Anthony Schwartz, who was drafted recently as well. Um, this offensive line, we brought back Ethan Pochich, uh, Wyatt Teller, Jack Conklin, we re signed, Joel Batonio, Jedrick Wills. Um, very happy with the pieces we have here on offense. And the defensive backs, we have some interesting young guys, obviously. Greg Newsom, Martin Emerson, Denzel Ward, big contract. Uh, Juan Thornhill, we just signed in free agency. So we have the pieces, these young guys who have performed well uh, in the defensive back room as well. Obviously, we don't have a ton of draft capital. We just traded a second rounder, got back an extra third rounder in the Elijah Moore trade. But two third round picks, two fourth round picks, two fifth round picks, uh, and then a sixth and a seventh. What I want to do here is continue to fortify fortify this defensive front seven. Um, and really, I'm not picky about who these guys are at this point, picking as late as we are in the draft. Uh, I want to just hit defensive line and linebacker over and over again. Even some of these linebackers we have, JOK, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, we like him. He's a playmaker, but he's a smaller guy. He's not helping us too much in the run game. Um relying on on these veterans like Anthony Walker, Deion Jones, who we brought over last year, uh, just hasn't really worked out in terms of solving this issue for us. So hopefully, Dalvin Thompson is a good start, uh, but I want to really hit a uh, defensive line as hard as we can. And if there's a guy, you know, kind of late in the second round uh, that we feel like is falling a little bit, maybe a Keanu Benton, maybe a Siaka Ika uh, that we feel like we could go get by trading one of those thirds and one of those fourths, uh, I, I I would be open to that. So so that's where I want to start. Uh, just continue to try and fix this defensive front seven. But what do you guys have for me, Ben? Let's start with you. All right. So I, Cleveland's still interesting, right? Obviously, the Deshaun Watson factor is going to be the hugest. Um, I'll take it from the owner standpoint, I guess. Um, I think, and I'm interested to see if you think. It sounds like you think. Do we feel like the offensive pieces around Deshaun Watson are all there? Because when I look at the offensive line, I don't see any weaknesses. While the receivers aren't the most amazing receiving group in the world, you've got a ton of options to pick from, kind of Kansas City Chiefs style almost, with obviously Amari Cooper sitting there. Um, it, it, any desire to add a tight end? Or I, I, 
if if, if one pops up, if, if if there's an offensive guy sitting there, how open are you to grabbing an offensive guy that you like, even though we really don't think we need it? At that point, we would look at the board. I mean, when, when you're talking about, you know, especially day three picks, you really just want to bring in as many guys who you think can – uh, just make the roster first, but but obviously, hopefully, make an impact second. Um, I'd say with as deep as this tight end class is, we would still prefer to wait until day three. Those day two picks, those two day two picks, currently at seventy four and ninety eight, those should both be invested in the defense. Um, and, and again, if we feel that a defensive guy who we want as we get close to seventy four, if we feel like there's only one or two left and we're worried. I, I want to trade up, whether that's into the top 50, top 60. I'm okay with giving up, you know, one of those fourths or one of those fifths to make sure we get a guy we feel can be a, a real starter uh, on this defensive front seven. Simon, how, how comfortable are we going into the season with the secondary that we have right now? Do you feel like, uh, do you, do you feel like we need to make any major additions or whether that be through free agency before the draft or during the draft, because right now, as we sit, you know, it's looking like Denzel Ward, Grant Delpit, Juan Thornhill, Martin Emerson, Greg Newsom potentially as uh, the the secondary core. What are your thoughts? I'm happy with this core the way it is. Uh, I think Emerson and Newsom are two young guys that have made plays. I think bringing Juan Thornhill over with his playoff experience um, and Super Bowl experience is going to be huge. And I think at this point in the offseason and, and getting into the draft, the best thing we can do to help this DB room is to help plug up the run game and help a little bit more with the pass rush. You know, you make pass rush and, and coverage go hand in hand. The more we can do to beef up that front, that's going to make the life easier on those guys we already have back there because we, you know, have invested money and draft picks in, in the defensive backfield. So I think those guys are just going to be all the better if we continue to add to the front uh, up ahead of them. Now, are we are we going to be looking for potentially a, a second running back? Right, we've had Kareem Hunt. Uh, we even had Dearness Johnson, who had a nice little pop off season. Whenever Hunt wasn't playing, uh, are we going to be looking for a, a backup running back as a complimentary guy for Chubb? Not anything that would require a real draft pick. You know, maybe at the tail end, the seventh round. Otherwise, I'm looking at UDFA's. This uh, offensive line has too much invested into it to say, okay, we need to go draft another running back now. Um, Kareem Hunt played 42% of the snaps last year. Darius Johnson only ended up playing 3% of the snaps last year, talking less than half the snaps for those guys. Um, and I, you know, I'm ready for Nick Chubb to just kind of take this thing all by himself. So I, I'd say go get a couple UDFAs. Maybe if there's a guy we love in the seventh round, uh, but it's not anything I'm looking to invest a real pick in. You've got me intrigued here, defensive line, talking about the possibility maybe of draft of, of trading up. Let me call out a whole bunch of names real fast here. I don't obviously we're not going to deep dive, but just get a feel for what you think. At 74 and 98, which is our top two picks, conceivably you might see Andre Carter from Army there, Carl Brooks from Bowling Green, Nick Kerbig from Wisconsin. And then a little farther down the list, possibly Ojomo from Texas, McGuire from Missouri. Those are the guys who might be sitting there conceivably at 74-98. Now, at around 40, there's a group that's like Adewore. 
uh, Adiba Ware from Northwestern, uh, Foskey from Notre Dame. There is Azuma, Anadike Azuma from Kansas State. If any of those guys start to fall from 40 down to maybe like 50 and you think trading up wouldn't be too expensive, any feeling at all about staying at 74 and 98 versus trading up to get that, that little next pool of guys there on defensive line? None of those guys super intrigue me um, in that next group. I'd be more comfortable if I could stick and get a Colby Wooden or a Carl Brooks from Auburn or Bowling Green. Even a Zach Pickens of South Carolina might be a little early with one of those third-round picks. Um, I need more beef, right? Some of those edge guys, while I think they're good and, and I like them, they're not any – and if they fell to us in that 70 range, I'd be happy with that. But none of those guys scream – hey, this would fix our real run game problem, right? Uh, uh, the Andre Carter, for example, just a long, lean guy. We stick him out on the edge in, in the AFC North and, and try to stop the run with that. He's just going to get pushed off the line. Um, I like those guys, but not enough to to move up for any of them. Um, it would be more the interior guys that I'd be looking to move up for. So if, uh, like, you know, Keanu Benton, Siaka, Ika, Tuli, Tuopolo, to uh, Gervin Dexter, those guys, if they're falling and, and I think I can go get them, those are the guys I'm moving up for. All right. Quick question here, and then I'll let Ronan finish it up. Um, I, I'm glad to hear you say that actually as an owner, basically, because I, I see the board kind of the same way. There's some nice guys at edge around 40 or 50, but they don't thrill me enough to trade up. Now, question for you, who's a guy or a couple of guys or a type of guy who's not a defensive lineman or a linebacker that if he, you know, we're not talking about a first round draft pick, but some guy who starts falling, who is not a need for us. Is there a guy like, you know, uh, I can't pass that up. It's not a need, but I can't pass that up. Any, any guys at all like that? Or are you satisfied defensive line 74, 98 in the day? There's nobody I have to have. But I will say this tight end class, you know, Ronan mentioned if, if there's anything on offense I'm looking to do, it's one of those. Uh, our offense was most successful in the last five years when we were going 13 personnel back when we had Austin Hooper. We had David Njoku and Harrison Bryant in Harrison's rookie year. Um, if someone like a Luke Musgrave because of his injuries starts to fall, uh, if Sam Laporta looks like he could still be there in the third round. Those type of guys, I might be willing to to trade up or or pull the trigger on a little early, not trade up. There's another uh, group of tight ends in the fourth round I think I can get, but but those two guys, Musgrave and Laporta, uh, if they somehow fall to the seventies, I might pass on defensive line or, or front seven for them. I love it, and I have no more Browns questions, so I'm going to go ahead and steal the thunder. I'm just going to go ahead and just change direction. Uh, and we're going to talk about the Baltimore Ravens because this is a very pressing conversation uh, to be had because there are multiple different ways that this can go uh, this offseason. But I'm going to give you uh, kind of my two cents on uh, the Ra the state of the Ravens uh, as we see it here on March 27th. So looking at the problems, uh, wide receiver is a, a pretty clear issue. Uh, there doesn't seem to be a, a clear number one receiver. There's Rashad Bateman, Dev Devin Duvernay, and Nelson Aguilar. 
none of which scream number one receiver. No, I you can't bank on any of these guys getting 100 receptions, 1,500 yards. Um, so that will definitely be an area where I look uh, during the draft this year. Offensive line, relatively steady. I am no Benner Simon, but the Baltimore offensive line, the way that I see it, doesn't need a whole lot uh, of altering. Lamar Jackson. We'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. We'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, and then the running back core, J.K. Dommins has had you know injury history. Gus Edwards has been a pretty powerful back. And then we look at the defensive side. They lost Marcus Peters this offseason, and that will definitely be a hole that they will have to fill uh, because, in my opinion, it still hasn't been filled yet. Um, other than that, the defense looks relatively okay. There, there aren't many glaring holes aside from maybe shoring up that secondary. So let's go ahead and get into the Lamar conversation, right? Now, as I prepped for this, uh, maybe a week ago, maybe a little under, I was I was keeping Lamar, right? And then today, uh, news broke that he's requested a trade. So me being the nice guy that I am, I'm going to honor his wish, right? So, and I know, I know, I know, I, I, it's obviously not, not the first choice, right? Getting rid of Lamar Jackson is never the first choice, but we are where we are. There's no going back now. Uh, The bridge is already burned. We've got to move forward, right? So my first order of business, I'm calling up Houston. Simon, you've been on it since pretty much this entire discussion uh, has started. I'm calling up Houston, and I'm seeing what the chances are in obtaining the second, the 12th, and then whatever other future picks kind of you know fall, you can pick and choose however you want to lay that out. But I want something centered around the second and 12th pick. And reason being, I talked about it earlier. If Lamar's getting moved, right, I don't want a 2023-2024 first-round pick on the team that Lamar's on especially if he's getting sent to the NFC, right? Because that, that that's just a recipe of dominance for Lamar. So I, I'm looking for as many early picks as I can if I'm Baltimore this year. Uh, so if Houston doesn't fall through, the next order of business is to call it Detroit. I'm looking what I can if I can get the 6th and 18th picks, right? Detroit is in a win-now situation, somewhere where very few people thought they would be uh, so, you know, do they want to take that all-in move and go move for Lamar? It's worth looking into, I think, on both sides. Now, if neither of those fall through, right, that's kind of where it gets dicey. Um, you know, you can call up Seattle. It doesn't really seem like they're going to be moving for Lamar now that they're paying Geno. Uh, there's, there's not a whole lot of other options aside from these guys, right? So then I'm calling up Indy, and I'm seeing what I can get for the fourth overall pick, right? The fourth, maybe a future first. Give me your second this year as well. And then, you know, you have a pretty decent roster. Let me get a couple of starters. So regardless, I I didn't get like a mock. This is where I'm going to send them. But with the first pick, um, if we do trade Lamar, this I, I would assume we're getting something inside the top 20. Uh, the Ravens' first pick, as we sit right now, is the 22nd pick. So with that first pick that we're getting for Lamar, 
Uh, first thing I'm looking for is a quarterback, obviously, right? We just shipped off our franchise guy. We've got to get somebody to fill that spot. Um, I'm even open to, you know, let's say we ship him off to, oh, I don't know, Atlanta at eight, just because I, I like sending him there uh, in my head, right? Let's send Lamar to Atlanta at eight. And, you know, we're sitting there. I, I don't think we're going to be getting a quarterback, right? We're looking at Vegas is ahead of us. You know, we've got uh, Carolina, we've got Houston, we've got Indy. So if we are in that top 10 range, but not looking like we're going to be getting a quarterback, I'm calling Arizona up to try to move up to three. Um, I I like Anthony Richardson. Uh, it seems like he'll probably be that third quarterback taken unless Carolina shocks us all. Uh, so I'm, I'm okay with swapping Anthony Richardson in for Lamar while obtaining all these assets. I, I think we can run a similar offense. And, you know, I think as a prospect, one could make the case that maybe Richardson has more pass potential uh, than Lamar did coming in. And I'm not saying he's going to be a better passer of the football because Lamar is a damn good passer. Uh, you know, it just gets overshadowed by his running. So, you know, let's say in this hypothetical situation, we can't get a quarterback, right? That's whenever I'm looking for a guy like Joey Porter, Deontay Banks, Cam Smith, a corner. We need somebody to sure up that secondary to replace Marcus Peters. So those are the two options uh, for that first top 20 pick for the Ravens. And then we get to the 22nd pick, right? And this is where it kind of gets dicey because it all varies on, you know, do we get a quarterback with that first pick? But if I'm sitting there at 22 and really regardless, even if we didn't get a corner with that top 20 pick, um, I'm probably going to go receiver, uh, whether that be Quentin Johnston, Jordan Addison, Zay Flowers, or even Josh Downs. I, I'm a, I'm pretty big on Josh Downs as well. Uh, so really any of those guys I'm comfortable bringing in uh, with the 22nd pick. No, I've mentioned it uh, just earlier. This is a receiving core that needs help. Lamar, well, Lamar needed help. If you're bringing in a rookie quarterback, you've got to give him help. So that's the direction that I'm looking at 22. Then we look back, uh, assuming that Lamar gets traded, we're probably going to be getting some compensation between that 22nd and 86th pick because right now the 86th pick is what uh, Baltimore has next. So... With this day two pick, right, somewhere in between 22 and 86, this is where I'm probably looking for a corner. Uh, now, like I said, if we love someone at 22, you know, someone falls, you know, maybe let's shoot for one. But I view the receiving core as a little bit more of a need, especially if we're bringing in a rookie. So that's why I, I, I side with the receiver a little bit more earlier. Now, with this day two pick uh, that we'd likely be getting in a Lamar deal, this is where I'd be looking for, you know, a, a Phillips, a Stevenson, a Brents, a Turner, even like a Ricks. Um, just just somebody who can come in, play meaningful snaps at CB2, uh, and just develop, right? We, we don't need them to be a sauce gardener, right? We've got our Marlon Humphrey. We just need someone to learn, to develop, uh, and to shore up that secondary. So just to kind of round out, um, you know, where else I'd like to touch on, I'd like to go defensive line at 86. 
Uh, I'd like to go running back at 124 just because I do like Dobbins. I do like Edwards, but we have been riddled with injuries and I'd rather be safe than sorry. Right. We're a run heavy team. Like I said, I keep bringing it up. If we're bringing in a rookie quarterback, man, we've got to get him help. And a strong running game behind pretty solid offensive line is a good way to do so. Uh, and then just kind of throughout the rest of the draft, I'd like to maybe even get another cornerback just to you know, add some depth there. You know, maybe some depth offensive line uh, just to help out you know, in case we get, again, hit with the injury bug. Uh, and it's just some more defensive playmakers. So this is where I stand on Baltimore. Ben, go ahead, grill me. What do you hate? Uh, I know what you hate, but, you know, just be light on me. Let me ask this first. Let's assume through some weird circumstance, Lamar stays with us and, and we get him back in the fold. We're sitting there at 22. I think there's going to be at least two good wide receivers there, maybe three or four, depending on how the board falls. I don't think three or four, but at least two. Are you basically locked in on wide receiver, or are you still considering some of these other spots? But that's my question there. If Lamar is coming back, I am – me personally, I'm 1,000% going receiver uh, to get Lamar help. Uh, absolutely. I don't think you can do anything else. Yes, you know, secondary is an issue, but, man, Lamar has been doing what he has been with no real number one receiver – uh, other than Mark Andrews, I don't want to discredit Mark Andrews after I've just been roasting pass catchers in Baltimore for the past 10 minutes or so. Uh, but yeah, I'd absolutely go receiver there at 22 if we keep Lamar. Something I want to I want to hit on before we dive deeper into the quarterback thing with Lamar, because I, I think we're going to spend a lot of time on that. Defensive line, I want to make sure we have a plan for because Calais Campbell, we we released. Now we're hoping maybe he'll circle back for something. But he led the team in snap percentage uh, in terms of that defensive line, uh, primarily on the interior. But even amongst you know our edge rushers, who who we rotated in a lot, a lot of those veterans, Justin Houston, um, along with Calais Campbell, are out there as free agents right now. We're asking a lot of Adafe Owe, who kind of took a step back last year. David Ojabo, who was an early pick last year that is coming off of his torn Achilles. Um, I, I'm glad to hear that by still in day two, we're looking at defensive line. But I think that's something, you know, that we could still consider and should could still consider because, you know, you mentioned corner later, in, uh, maybe being a, a round two pick if we were to get a, a, a second pick there in, on day two. But this is a deep corner class. I think even that fourth round, we could probably get a good corner. Defensive line, I, I think, should still be on the radar. Is that the way you see it as well? Absolutely. But the way that I, I kind of look at it is corner and receiver, our, our rooms are a little bit more depleted than than our front four, right? Uh, because we still do have guys like I'm gonna butcher his name because I do every time. But Matabuke, thank you. Look at that. You knew. You just knew. I love Matabuke. Yeah, that, that's Simon what I'm saying. Hat on. I just love Justin Matabuke. <laughs> oh my god. But you know, we've got him. We've got Michael Pierce. We've got Owe. We've got Ojabo, who you know we still haven't really seen come to full form. Uh, you know, Travis Jones is you know up there. He's there. Uh, so we we still do have some dogs if you want to put it that way uh in that front four 
to the point where, you know, I, I don't know how comfortable I am throwing Demarion Williams out or, you know, a, a, I don't even who else would potentially start you know, like a Daryl Worley, right? Uh, you know, serviceable potentially. And, you know, I'm at points they might be liabilities, but, you know, they're not going to be getting cooked every play. You know, it's not Madden, but you know, if we can go out and get a corner potentially for the future uh, over, you know, a defensive lineman there with that pick that would be somewhere between 22 and 86, uh, then that's what I'd probably do. All right, let's get to the big one. Lamar Jackson, you laid out a lot of good scenarios. Um, I like starting at two. I mean, I think we should even be calling Carolina at one just to see if we can make a a one-for-one a one swap even happen at this point, if there's a quarterback that we love and want to go up and get. What I want to know is, you as the GM, how high can we get, and can we get one of these top four quarterbacks that everyone's talking about with one of those picks? That That's what I want to know first. Uh, are you talking in terms of how high up, like overall pick-wise? Yeah, can we- I, I- are you confident we can get one, two, three, four, five? What What's the highest you're confident we can get to? I would say confident-wise, I, I would say maybe the third overall pick would probably be the easiest to get uh, if we're looking to definitely go quarterback. But, you know, Houston, they have they might be in the market. You know, they they just traded away a, a generate, well, not, maybe not generational quarterback, but but a franchise quarterback. And they might be hungry for another one, right? And maybe you don't want to develop a guy. They don't necessarily have the the roster, right, to jump straight into the playoffs. But, you know, new regime could potentially look to make a splash. Um, The first overall pick, just because of how much Carolina gave up, I'm not 100% sure, you know, they'd be willing to go for it. Uh, (laughs) We'd probably have to... I, I'm not sure how that would go, truthfully. That that would be an interesting scenario. But uh, it seems like they're probably going to go a young guy. So I'm not very confident in getting the first overall. But I would say second is where it starts becoming possible. And third is a real possibility, uh, especially if we do move Lamar, right, and gain those assets to make it much easier to move up. Because, you know, as the Ravens sit right now, they don't have a whole lot of draft picks, um, you know. So, right, I mean, they go from 22 to 86. So there's a there's a pretty decent gap in between their selections. So if they can, I, I personally wouldn't, I don't know. I, I wouldn't give up too much, right? Because they are in a position where it's kind of dicey. They don't have a bad roster by any means. But if they do move Lamar, they're a much different looking team. So... To answer your question, I'd say second or third overall. You mentioned, and I'll let Ben get in after this one, but you mentioned at three going for Anthony Richardson. If we were to get up to two, is Richardson still our guy, or do we like one of Stroud or Bryce Young better? That's definitely going to come down to prop. That's going to come down to the coach's preference, I think. Um, just where they'd like the offense to head. You know, if they're still looking to run the the similar offense to what they have been running, then I think Richardson is the answer. But if you're looking to, 
you know, maybe run a little bit more of a pro style, whatever pro style means at this point, right, with all these mobile quarterbacks. But if you were looking to run a little bit more of a pro style offense, then, yeah, I think Stroud or Young are obviously, you know, great, great options. And and sorry, I lied. One last thing, just a statement that I'll make. I don't know if I'm Biscotti or or DaCosta in this – Biscotti, Bishotti, yeah, or DaCosta in this uh in in this role play here, but I'll just make the executive decision. We have to go with Anthony Richardson. We're making sure we get Tyler Huntley back. We're making sure to get one of these other veterans on the market because Richardson's not starting this year, no, no matter what. Uh Ben, take it away. Whatever, whatever else you got here. I have two questions. My first one is similar to Simon's, but let's let's assume that we can't get the number one and and we are trading Lamar. And we're trading up to that two spot. Um, obviously, we can't control who Carolina picks. Are we comfortable enough to not know who we're trading up for? I mean, because if we wait, there's a chance somebody else may scoop up that number two pick. So we kind of have to move on it. But if if we don't have Lamar, are we comfortable enough between you and the head coach that whoever we get? I mean, usually people trade up to number one. They know who they're getting. Here we're trading the two, and we don't know. Are we, are we okay with that? Uh, well, to an extent, no, right? I mean, nobody's going to come in and replace Lamar Jackson. No, Nobody's going to replace you know, what he does on the football field. And, you know, whenever you're talking about this quarterback class, a lot of people have a lot of different opinions, right? Uh, some people think that there are four guys that are worth spending a top five or ten pick on. And some people think that you know, maybe there are two guys that are really worth a top 10 pick and maybe three guys that have a first round grade. So, yeah, I, I think it, it's all in the uh, eyes of the beholder. Right. It's it all depends on it depends on the person, really. Um, but there will obviously be some uncertainty and a, a little bit of sketchiness to trading up to, let's say, two, especially three. Uh, to get one of those quarterbacks because, you know, like you put it exactly right. You won't know who you're going to get. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me add to the uncertainty and do something really wild here. As the owner, I'm actually excited if you trade up to number two, but let's assume we can't or don't want to do that. You and the head coach just don't like that idea. Are y'all all on board with trading Lamar? Let's say we have to trade Lamar and let's get really wild and try to get first-round picks, multiple first-round picks in the 24 draft, maybe even three first-rounders, so we can package three or four first-rounders to move up for Caleb Williams in the 24 draft. Any interest at all in that versus not knowing who we're getting at two? I think it would, you know, uh, I would prefer to stay within the top, you know, five to ten in this draft, but if you can't, then yeah, that that is where I would I would start considering you know maybe exiting on the the pick you know, for, or first round pick this year and start looking towards you know uh, one or two first rounders next year or the year after that right um, because yeah uh, this next you know we say it almost every year this next quarterback class is going to be an intriguing one to watch right with uh with Williams and May so I think it is worth looking into right um. It's all situational. That that's not the first first option I'd like to go with. But if we do have to move Lamar, and nobody's willing to give up uh, one of those top ten picks, then yeah, I, I would. That's where I start to consider that that route. 
All right. Well, I like everything you're putting out there. And unless anybody else has anything else on Baltimore, we are going to move on to one of our co-hosts' favorite teams, his favorite team, the Pittsburgh Steelers, Simon Short. Take it away, man. Yeah, this one I think is a little more simple than the last one. Ronan, great job. That was a, that was a lot of work to put into Baltimore. But yeah, I think Ronan's headed off somewhere now. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, so Pittsburgh Steelers, here we go. This is what we did. We pretty much saw put put a name in every box, right? In this free agency, we lose uh, starting linebacker Robert Spillane. We sign linebacker Cole Holcomb. Uh, we lose cornerback Cam Sutton. We sign cornerback Patrick Peterson. Um, a few a few holes are, still remain. The starting strong safety position Terrell Edmonds goes to the Eagles. We re-sign Demonte Casey. Uh, he's not that true traditional box safety, but in terms of here, here's the thing with with what we've done this offseason. And and everybody, I'm I'm using the we in the sense of of what we're doing here tonight. I I, I promise I'm not considering myself part of the we of the Steelers because that's the team I root for. Um the safety position, the market is so low. It, it's one of the most fungible positions there is in the NFL. And with Minka Fitzpatrick there as one of the best safeties in the NFL, especially in the most important aspects of the position, uh, you can put a lot of different guys next to him. That's good considering this is a bad safety class, which we have gone over. Um, but that safety spot is still something I consider a whole. It is something to be addressed at some point in this draft. Um, on offense, we've got who we believe as of now is our quarterback. We've got a running back. We've got two top receivers, uh, at least on the roster. Um, we've got our tight end offensive line. We've added a ton to the interior part of the offensive line over the last two seasons. Mason Cole, Isaac Sayamalu, James Daniels, Nate Herbig. That's four good, solid interior guys, uh, uh tackles, the Steelers. We like our tackles more than most people like our tackles. Dan Moore Jr. Chooks a core for that said at 17 and at 32, we will be assessing who the tackles are on the board. Um, does Paris Johnson fall somehow? Is Broderick Jones there from Georgia? Uh, we have made the executive decision to go after big people this offseason. Um, so Peter Skaronsky, unfortunately, might not be on our board at 17. If he falls to 32 and, and we, you know, make some tough decisions in the in training camp, we'll address that. Um, but we might look more at a guy like Daywan Jones or Darnell Wright even at 32 or potentially even at 17 might reach a little bit for one of those guys to get big physical, huge right tackles. Um, defensively TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith. That's great. There's not a lot behind them. Um, one of those day three picks could go to an edge rusher just for some depth defensive line. Kind of the same idea, a little bit more of a need though. Cam Hayward, Larry Okunjobi, Montrevious Adams as the nose tackle. Um, Nothing really behind those guys. And in terms of kind of long-term, hey, is Larry Ogunjobi going to be here in two years? Is Cam Hayward even going to be here in two years? It might be starting time to look at the future of that defensive line position as well. Uh, linebacker, despite adding Cole Holcomb and Alandon Roberts, that is still a need that needs to be addressed in the first three picks. Um, I mentioned defensive back already a little bit. Even with that signing of Peterson, uh, it's still squarely in the, you know, crosshairs at 17, you know, Joey Porter Jr. Obviously from a legacy standpoint and just from a, a, a skill and talent standpoint would be great to see at 17 for Pittsburgh. Um, 
really the Steelers are in position to go best player available at 17 and even at 32. Um, in these first four picks, four picks in the top 80 is huge. This is hugely important for us to, to nail this draft and really try to build out this roster that's going to be competing for the AFC North in Kenny Pickett's rookie contract. Um, so, so the positions I'm really looking for here in the first four picks, which is uh, two in the third round, one in the second, one in the first, um, that's even off, uh, 17, 32, 49, and 80, are I'm looking for a defensive back, whether it ends up being a, a starting outside corner in the future, uh, a safety nickel corner hybrid, whatever. Uh, inside linebacker, someone to really take on blocks, um, try and make some splash plays, which the inside linebackers have not done uh, in a couple of years for Pittsburgh. Uh, I'm looking at offensive tackle. I'm not reaching for anybody because I have those two guys in place, but it's something I'm assessing with each of those first two picks. And then I've got a wild card here for that fourth spot. I really want one of these defensive linemen that I can get on day two. It's not necessarily a 17th pick overall. Brian Brzee is going to be someone we consider there, but not at the top of the list. Uh, I would really like to maybe stick at 49 overall for a defensive lineman. Low-key a little bit, though, wide receiver or maybe even tight end, just pass catcher in general, would like to get either a third receiver or a second tight end that can really be effective in the pass game. Um, but hey, we've brought in Andy Weidel this this offseason, coming from Philadelphia. His experience and his preference is to build through the trenches. It's traditionally what Pittsburgh has been about, especially on the defensive side. Um, those first four picks are going to be really, really key to this next era of Steeler football. Uh, ben, let me kick it over to you first. Uh, what, what do you think? I've got 43 million questions. I'll, I'll do one at a time. I can't wait. I want, I want to do all of them. Yeah, I, I'll do one, let Ronan do it, and then we'll back and forth. Um, first of all, I like everything you're saying, okay? This roster is in a good, flexible spot like it almost always is, so you've done a great job. The options you laid out, they all make sense. Like, stay at 17. You've got a couple options there. Um, you know, the, the 32, the 49, the 80, you're right, lots of impact there. We could pick up three starters <laughs> conceivably, and if they're not three starters this year, maybe in, in 24. So I, I like everything you're saying. Let me let me start off with my big question. We're the Steelers. How close are we to the Super Bowl? Like, what's realistic this year? And again, I, I'll, I'll pretend to be the owner for a second. What's realistic this year in a crowded AFC, most of whom have quarterbacks better than ours, even though we like ours, how soon before we're up in Super Bowl territory again what's what's the thought there so in the room guys the conversation is always we're competing for a super bowl every year this is what mike tomlin art rooney the second and now omar connor saying um they're competing for a super bowl every year so it's about what's the route to get there with the the players we currently have and the resources we have to get more players um they you know the the first step in that is win the afc north Right. Baltimore's a little shaky. Cleveland hasn't quite got back yet, obviously. Um, okay, how do we overtake Cincinnati for the AFC North? Get into the playoffs. Then we just have to win a couple games and go win the Super Bowl. Pittsburgh's very old school thinking. Um, and that's the way they're gonna see this. How do we win eleven games, win the North, and, and go on to the Super Bowl from there? So to answer your question, when can we do it? This year. So Simon, let, let's say those top three corners are off of the board, right? And, you know, let's say Paris Johnson's off the board. 
and you know, maybe the top two or three tackles are off the board as well. Are we sitting there at 17 and considering uh, Jordan Addison, maybe pairing him, up, pairing him up with Kenny Pickett? And are we comfortable doing that and then potentially going tackle there at 33? Yeah, uh, I think Addison squarely has to be on the board. I, I think that that connection between him and Pickett can't be overstated. I think for as much as I personally, and, and even the team philosophically, wants to build through the trenches, this team is so far behind in terms of scoring points. Um, you, no matter what I want to do in terms of, oh, let's let's get a franchise left tackle, Let's get a defensive lineman who's going to be here 10 years. Let's get a linebacker to finally shore this position up. This team has to score points at the end of the day. All that stuff is great, um, and, and they're not doing that right now. Addison, uh, especially with his work in the slot, would be a good fit. His relationship with Kenny would be a good fit. Um, I think even Jackson Jackson Smith and Jigba as, as a real pure route-running uh, slot, slot receiver who catches a lot of balls – um should both be right in the crosshairs as well all right let me let me set the stage for this question here um as Steelers owner um you know how much respect I have for Mike okay I but I put him in the category of Bill Belichick with the Patriots and uh Harbaugh with the Ravens they're great at developing these guys. I think their confidence and their ability to develop anybody you hand them is so good. I, sometimes I wonder about the talent level. I, I really have a lot of concerns. When I look over at the Patriots and Ravens, I have a question. When I look back at the Steelers, I look at the Steelers' cornerback room. I look at um, our offensive line. I see a lot of pieces Mike can take and work with. And, and I would tell him this to his face in, in the room. Like, I know he can develop all these guys and put together a decent roster, but do you wonder at some point, are we a little bit behind with a talent injection standpoint from, say, where Cincinnati is and where the Bills are and where the Chiefs are um, and where, say, the Eagles are and the 49ers are? Like, I don't think we quite have those talent levels. If that's – let's not argue too much about that, but are you at all tempted to trade up? And I know I know we don't do this. We never, ever, ever do this. But we're sitting here at 17. Are you at all tempted to trade up into the top eight, top ten, and grab somebody who's obviously got some – more tends to have more talent than what we usually get on the team? Get into the top ten? Probably not. Uh, it would have to be a pretty aggressive move to do that, and, and I just don't think that's really where we are. I think the one guy we're looking at to see if he gets close is Paris Johnson. If Paris Johnson gets past the Titans at 11 um, and kind of gets close, gets into that New England at 14 range, maybe we look to go to 13. Maybe we see what the price is for that. Um, but But nobody in the top 10... Uh, that slam dunk top 10 we feel is, is big enough. At, and again, where we need them, where we would need to slot them in at right away uh, to, to go up and be aggressive in trading one of these second round picks for or something. Fair enough. So Simon with, uh, you know, assuming, you know, in the scenario that just talked about a little bit ago, right. Let's say, you know, Addison at 17 tackle there at 33, are we immediately going corner there with that third pick in the draft, or is there still some leniency 
Um, are we even taking tackle there at 33? Could we go corner? All depends on the board. Uh, tackles I like there at, at that uh, early pick in the 30s. Darnell Wright, Anton Harrison maybe, uh, but I like Dewan Jones' size a little bit more. Um, but beyond those two guys really, Wright and Jones, uh, I, I wouldn't mind waiting for maybe a Jalen Duncan uh, or, or Blake Freeland with that second pick. Corner is so deep. I'm confident we can find a guy either at 80 or even sit and wait all the way till that fourth round pick and, and go get somebody there. Um, this is a great, great corner class, both from a high end standpoint and a depth standpoint. Um, linebacker is a position I feel like needs to be addressed in the second round, uh, whether that's a Jack Campbell or a Drew Sanders. Um, you could hope and wait to see if third round brings like a day on Henley um, or, or somebody like that. But uh, I, I think linebacker has to be there day two corner. I'd be okay with waiting on unless it's one of these guys that we have rated highly. If a Cam Smith falls to late in the second round, Deontay Banks somehow, even a Keeley Ringo, I, I'd be okay with taking a flyer on with that second, second round pick. At 17, do you feel like we have to draft there? Are you willing to trade on back? I, I think a lot of teams might be interested. This is a trade back draft, but 17 is a spot where I think a lot of teams might be interested in trading up. Um, because of who all still sitting there. If you if you trade back, not out of the first round, but maybe somewhere, you know, 20, 22, 24, um, do you feel like we can get enough guys that you like back at those spots that would be worth trading back there and you still got pick 32 there as well? Definitely open to it. It all depends on who is on the board and how many guys are left there. If we get to 17, and there's still five guys we really like, we'd go back five spots or four spots or three spots, just depending on what the value back is, unless there's one guy we just can't live without there at 17. But definitely open to it, uh, just depending on how the board falls. How the board falls, who's your most desirable guy at 17? Like, I mean, out of out of reasonable stuff that you've heard, who's the guy that you're like, this is it, we're done right here, <laughs> assuming again i don't think paris johnson gets there i don't think even broderick jones gets there i think and i don't think devon witherspoon or christian gonzalez get there uh i think joey porter jr has to be number one overall in terms of considering likeliness factor need and overall talent uh at 17 okay i like it i like it all um i i trust you guys always do a good job every year i mean every year you're not perfect but you do a good job you come in with a strong roster so if you're in the mood for more content from Phantom Sports Industries, join me, Brandon Tim, at the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast. Together, we can analyze and discuss the favorite hobby of millions of football fans in new and insightful ways by crunching the data and reviewing past performances that will ultimately help us become champions in our respective leagues. Listen anytime, and new episodes drop on Wednesdays wherever podcasts are found. Once again, this is the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast from Phantom Sports Industries. This is Brandon Tim signing out from the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast. We'll see you there. All right, so we are actually going to stop there, guys. Uh, I know at the top we said AFC North and South, uh, obviously with Lamar um, and, and the Ravens, just a lot to get to. Uh, so we're, we're going to table the AFC South for now. I know everybody's 
really bummed. The AFC South is so interesting. Uh, but I wanted to bring one discussion point to you guys that between the Ravens and the Colts that I wanted to talk about a little bit, we haven't done a lot of quarterback talk on this show before. Um, and, and this ties in so this topic ties in so well that I just wanted to get something off my chest that I've been thinking about. Um, and, and I wanted to get your guys' reaction, see where you're at. So here's here's where I'm at. This is informing my my draft thoughts from now until the draft happens when it comes to this quarterback situation. And again, we talked about Lamar and all the trades that you can make. And, and I think everyone knows how I feel about that. There are four quarterbacks that are going to go in the top 10. It's just going to happen, right? Regardless of what your grade is on them, what your grade is on the incumbent quarterback that that team already has, whatever. Four quarterbacks are going in the top 10. And every team is different. Every team, just like we talked about here, uh, doing the AFC North, every team has their own values. Every team, you know, does their draft based on what their scheme is, what their current player is, even for quarterbacks. They don't just blindly pick a quarterback and hope it all works out. Uh, well, some of them probably do, and it just doesn't go very well. It's why we see about a 50% hit rate on first-round quarterbacks. So with that said, when I look at these quarterbacks and, and I watch – and I haven't done, you know, quite the same film that our buddy Ben has. So I'll be interested to hear what he has to say. But what what I've watched, what I've read, what I've listened to, and with the Lamar situation lurking in the background, I would go into these war rooms as a GM if I was a team looking at quarterback and say, this is my board. Number one, I have CJ Stroud. He's the best thrower of the football, the most pure thrower. He's got good size. He's got good mobility. We haven't seen him scramble a lot or extend the play a lot, but I think he can do it. Just the one that checks the most boxes. And then I would go, okay, that doesn't work for you. Or, hey, we didn't get him. We're swinging for the fences. We're going for Anthony Richardson. And again, for most of this, this is going to, I'm going to be, hey, I need to have another quarterback. So Detroit at six, Seattle at five. Or maybe I go see if Matt Ryan wants to stick around another year. Or if I'm the Colts and I you know, have Gardner Minshew, I'm starting Gardner Minshew for the year. I don't care what it looks like. But I have to have that leash, right? I have to have that wiggle room to my owner if I'm the GM or to my GM and owner if I'm the head coach and say, hey, we're going to draft this guy. We're going to draft Anthony Richardson because I couldn't get C.J. Stroud. And he's not going to touch the field for a year unless it's a blowout in the fourth quarter just to get some reps. This guy needs to spend all season practicing with the quarterback's coach off to the side, essentially. Um, he's not our starter this season. That doesn't work for half the teams in the league. That doesn't work for three-fourths of the team drafting for a quarterback. If they draft a quarterback, their owner is saying, this guy has to play now, and if he doesn't, well, it's the next coach that's going to get to play him, or it's the next GM that's going to get to evaluate him. So with even with that caveat, he's my number two. Because again, in this year, which is very unique, if I don't get to have one of those two, whether it's because I don't draft high enough for Stroud or my owner says I can't get Richardson, well, then I'm just signing Lamar Jackson. I'm just going to sign him to whatever he wants, and I'm going to trade two first-round picks, or I'm going to the Ravens, and I'm trading 2-12 and 12 or 6-18 and 18 or or you know whatever it takes, and I'm just going to get Lamar Jackson. I'm taking I, – I, I am taking Bryce Young just probably off my board. Because again, if you're if you're a coach or a GM, you know, unless you're Houston or Carolina, but really 
really just Houston, and you're sitting there at two and you pick him, you're either banking a lot on him, right? The Colts have a lot at stake in this. The Panthers just traded a bunch to go get one. Do you want to go get the guy at, I'm sorry, but 5'10 and truly 190, 195 pounds? You're banking on him to save your franchise and save your job? As special as I think Bryce Young is as, as a quarterback, a thrower of the ball, a passer, a leader, a person, that guy takes too many hits in his first year, man. <laughs> it could be it could be done in two years, and, and I could be on the sidelines, right? I could be done. I could be calling games on Fox's fifth team next year, and I don't want to do that. Um, and then Will Levis, like if I if I have to swing for the fences and hope a guy develops into something, I'm taking Anthony Richardson, right? Now, again, if this was a year where Lamar Jackson wasn't a factor, I might see things differently. But that's at least where I see the quarterbacks this year. I got Stroud at one. That's that's my peak, right? So if I'm Carolina, that's who I hope I can that's who I'm going to get from any of these teams. I hope he's still there at two, three, four. If I can get the clearing from ownership and I have a guy in front of him, I'll go Richardson after Stroud. And if I don't have that or my owner says I can't do it, I'm just going and making the Lamar Jackson deal. Um, Ben, let me go to you first. You know, how, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about the quarterbacks in general and, and how it pertains to what we talked about tonight with, with the Ravens? There's so much to talk about there. I'll be quick on two things. Um, number one, your Lamar Jackson thing is spot on. If we could, and I know we can't, if we could take that whole guaranteed fully contract thing and just push it off to the side, there would be a lot of teams going after Lamar. I mean, more than 10. And the price would just be going up, 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 up. So why not go after Lamar? No matter how you feel about these rookie quarterbacks, for some of them, you're going to have to trade up to get them. So why not trade up for a known commodity in Lamar, you know? I mean, go and bite the bullet. Uh, Yeah. And so if at some point a renegade owner is like, nope, I'm breaking the picket line and I'm going to go across and I'm going to make that guaranteed contract, yeah, Lamar is going to get eat up by somebody that needs a quarterback. There's no question about it. On the flip side, I don't criticize any team for going after a quarterback in the draft because it does make or break you. Um, Even the Jets, you know, a lot of people are picking on the Jets right now for the Zach Wilson pick two years ago. That was a wildly popular pick at the time. I mean, people were going crazy about calling him the kind of the mini Mahomes, all right? All the arm angles that he could throw deep, he could move around. He could, there wasn't anything he couldn't do. The accuracy, he could be tall, right? It, not everybody, but by far, that was an exciting pick that most people were in favor of. And here we are two years later, it hasn't worked out. But you know what? The only other thing they could have done was pick Justin Fields. There was nothing else they could have done that would have put them in any better spot. And, oh, by the way, Atlanta passed on Justin Fields. The 49ers passed on Fields. Detroit passed on Fields. The Panthers passed on Fields. The Broncos passed on Fields. And there were no other NFL teams that moved up to to trade for Justin Fields. So most of the NFL passed on Justin Fields, too. So if you're a team that needs a quarterback, maybe you know you're swinging for the fences. You probably do. But if, if you got a guy you like and you're desperate for one, go ahead and get it. I mean, you lose a first-round pick, and two years later, you're like, you know what? We're out. Let's let's move on. It's not the end of the world. So, Ronan? I agree with Ben uh, there. Now, Simon, I look at the class a little bit differently. Um, I haven't done any, like, super hard deep dive uh, into this quarterback class. Um, but the way that I kind of see it, I do have Bryce Young still as my number one. 
Um, simply because he he was there at Bama, yes. Uh, obviously, the talent around him was phenomenal. But it, it's not like he was playing, you know, next to like male men or playing against male men, right? Uh, week in and week out uh, every Saturday. Uh, he, he was still taking hits. You know, there's there are plenty, plenty of uh, SEC and, you know, out of conference opponents and that uh, it looked the part, right? Um, now, obviously, the NFL is a little, a lot of bit of a different game. But I, I do think that with the right preparation, you know, I, if he were to gain a little bit more weight, uh, I think it would help. Now, obviously, injuries are going to be a concern for a small quarterback no matter what, right? Uh, and just for a quarterback, really, no matter what. But whenever you look at who is the best passer of the football, it's Bryce Young. And whenever it comes down to quarterback, uh, that, that's a pretty important part. So for me, I, I like Bryce Young there at, at one. Uh, I, I do agree that, that Stroud probably should be ahead of Richardson there. So I, I do have him at two. And then I've got Richardson three. But for me, Richardson, and this isn't a hot take whatsoever, Richardson has the highest ceiling of them all, right? He can run, he can do everything in short spurts, at least. So if he's able to kind of string it all together, man, we we might be looking at a magician. Um, but with that being said, you know I spoke relatively highly of all three of those guys. If I'm a team that needs a quarterback, and I'm moving assets, especially if I'm moving up to go get one of these guys. I'm definitely looking into Lamar first, probably first, second, and third uh, before I move up in this draft for one of these young guys. So that's kind of where I where I see this quarterback class. Uh, I don't think it's anything too hot takey, uh, but I still do like Bryce Young, and I think in the right situation, you know, maybe in Houston behind that offensive line that that's improving, uh, I, I still think he can he can succeed pretty pretty well i think he can be a pro bowler all pro type of talent in this league yeah and, and i you know i make this comparison all the time but like if you were to just if you were plugging these guys into madden and it was throwing power and awareness and, and not that footwork i don't think is a thing in there anyways accuracy all that stuff bryce young still probably comes out as the top right and i can i can see that and look at it and be like yeah that's great but just when you Teams, I think, not so much in the rankings, but just in their draft philosophies and what they feel that they can do with ownership breathing down their necks, it's it's more going to be a, a yes or a no, a one or a zero when it comes to Bryce Young. And I think I, you know, my team would just be the one that's just like, I'm not going to risk it on that guy when I can go get Lamar instead. But I think we're all kind of in, in similar boats. There. We might have some different feels on Bryce Young, but that is just kind of where I wanted to to end the night off. But Ben, any any closing thoughts for you before we get out of here for the week? No, we got lots of weeks to cover, and uh, we are so excited. There's so much draft stuff coming. I actually won't be here next week. You guys know the audience now knows, but I'll be back in two weeks. So looking forward to it. We'll have a special guest next week for Ben. So uh, be on the lookout for that. That is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Ronan, any closing thoughts? Maybe do you want to get one last jab in at Ben before he's gone for, for a little while? No, no, I'm, I'm going to let Ben, you know, I'm going to let him off easy here. Ben, you Thank have you a good, him. you have a good week. There you Thank go. You. How about that? We'll just, we'll just <laughs> let him hear it when he listens to the podcast next week. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
Ronan just no re- response to that. Uh, <laughs> all right, everybody, we are out of here. Thank you all so much, Ben and Ronan. Thank you as always, everyone listening. Thank you for being here with us. Make sure you are back uh, every week, every Tuesday, as we continue to do these draft war rooms between now and the NFL draft at the end of next month. We're just five weeks away, everybody. It's so exciting. We're very excited for this. So thank you all for being here. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Have a good one.